Morning, Grace Church. <clears throat> if you haven't already, would you turn to Psalm chapter 119? Or the 119th Psalm, as my wife clearly corrected me earlier this week. Psalm 119 um, will be our, our home camp this morning. And music team, I just want to thank you again for a last minute request. I reached out to Jeff asking if he would please play and sing this Psalm 1 that I was aware of that had been written, and, uh, but many of you might not have. And considering today's focus, uh, it was just beautiful. And so thankful for you guys doing that, helping us to meditate our hearts upon him through song. Um, and hopefully we can do more of that as, as Pastor Jim mentioned well, you're welcome. I'm not going to ask you to stand like they would in the Old Testament and read the law and read the in Psalm 119 in, it, in its entirety. What we are going to be looking at verses, we're going to read verses 9 through 16, zooming in on one verse, verse 11, as we want to consider the, a hidden treasure following Christ and memorizing the scriptures. So if you're there, Psalm 119, I'll begin in verse. 9, reading from the New American Standard Bible. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Well, let's turn to the Lord yet again asking for His help. Father in heaven, we come to You, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are enthroned above the cherubim. God, You own all things. You are full of majesty and authority and glory and beauty and awesomeness. And yet, You have communicated Yourself to us. You have revealed Yourself to us in a book that shows us who You are and what You've done specifically through Your Son, Jesus. And we're thankful for this Word. We, won't, we don't want to consider it lightly that we even have a physical copy of it in our own language this morning. It is a, a rarity for many brothers and sisters across this globe. Yet for us today, we have a wonderful privilege to open it up, to look at it, to read it, to hear from You today. Something that was written years ago, but it's powerful, it's living and active for us today. And we need your help as we open it up and we consider what it means to love this Word and to store it up so that we might not sin against you. May that be our heart's desire because of your holiness and making us a holy people. We would, 
we would long to be like you. We're thankful that you sent Jesus. The Word became flesh. And He dwells each and, in each inside every one of us who belong to you. Your possession. So focus our hearts now. We need your help. We need your grace. We need your mercy. May it not just be another sermon that comes and goes, but may, we, may our lives intersect with your truth that you have for us this morning. May it affect us, change us forever, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the focus is, again, on verse 11. Uh, the topic this morning is Scripture memorization. If you've been with us, you've seen the past two weeks, we've been looking at vulnerability and what it means to, to be vulnerable with God, our relationship with God as Christians, and then Last week, we considered from Thessalonians how we can be vulnerable with one another and, and why we should consider that and how that's helpful for us to do. Lord willing, after, next week, we'll begin several s- sermons in prayer and then leading in after that, we'll, we'll enter into the book of Esther. But now, we want to consider what it means to memorize Scripture. For many of us, if you were like me and you grew up in church, you, you might have been encouraged or had activities where you were constantly memorizing scripture for me it was called bible drills my mom had me do it probably since the third grade till i graduated high school and you're just constantly memorizing scripture you learn the books of the bible you know where they're at you can say once say the book before the book after it you have to learn mem- just th- hundreds of of verses throughout the years not in one year but if you were like that, you're familiar with this as a child. Even Elisha and, and Micah and, and Leanna, my three oldest kids, we've begun learning Scripture. We believe it's valuable, specifically for children, yet as adults, for some reason, this practice tends to fade in the darkness, untouched. And I think the reason is you may say, well, yeah, Hunter, I mean, why would I memorize when I can pick up any... Bible today, or any tablet, whether phone or iPad, I can look up any verse I want to in any version whenever. And so, why do I even need to consider memorizing God's Word when it's so accessible to me today? Well, our aim this morning is to see from the Scriptures the value of hiding this Word in our hearts. See how Jesus applied this discipline, and then also how you and I can follow him in doing so so that's kind of the overview of what it looks like we want to from psalm 119 verse 11 i want to consider three questions from this text and then from here branching out to see how jesus memorized scripture and then why it might be helpful for you and i to do likewise your word i've treasured in my heart that i may not sin against you the esv says i have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The NIV, I have hidden your word in my heart. So those three examples, Nasby's, I have treasured. It could be said I have stored up or I have hidden your word in my heart. From the beginning, I just want to publicly state what we at Grace Church believe is true. And this comes directly from our member affirmation of faith. So as a member, you've claim that you agree and affirm this. This is Article 1. And it's on our website. You can find it. We're not, we're not ashamed of it. But it says, We believe that the Bible 
consisting of the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments, is the infallible Word of God, verbally inspired by God, and is without error in the original manuscripts. We believe that the Bible is the supreme and final authority in testing all claims about what is true and what is right, and also in testing all matters of saving knowledge, faith, and Christian conduct. In matters not addressed by the Bible, what is true and right is to be assessed by criteria consistent with the teaching of the Scriptures. So as a pastor here at Grace Church, we want to help you guys, we want to help this church value the Word of God and be governed by all that it says as we bring our lives under its authority in subjection to it over all that we do. All for His glory. So, I want to consider or ask three questions from Psalm 119, verse 11. They're not trick questions. Hopefully, they're just useful for helping us see what is, what is there in the text. I want to consider or I want to ask, what is treasured? Where do we treasure? And why do we treasure? Where, what is treasured? Verse says, your word I have treasured. It answers it, your word. Well, whose word? If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, I'll tell you. This is the Word of God. It's God's Word. The entire Psalm 119 is a prayer from the Christian addressing the Lord in his relationship with the Word of God. He uses words like your Word, your testimonies, your commandments, your statutes. These are all words that he uses to say how he loves God's Word and and how he loves it and wants to abide by it and he wants to obey it. As we consider Scripture memorization, it might be helpful to briefly consider what it is we're actually memorizing. I mean, why is it worth the labor and toil? So I feel like we need some sort of foundation to consider Scripture memorization. So under what is treasured, which is the Word, I want to mention three biblical claims about the Word of God. Number one, the Word of God claims to be the standard of objective truth. It does. It claims that it is true. We ought to know this if we're going to consider memorizing this Word and taking a lot of time to do that. Is it even true? We don't make it true. The, the Word speaks on its own authority, testifying to it. 2 Samuel 7.28 says, Now, O Lord God, You are God, and Your words are truth. Psalm 18.30 This God, His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord proves true. In Psalm 119, our chapter today, verse 160 says, The sum of Your Word is true. In the Old Testament, time after time after time after time after time, the Word is, is called the Word of Truth. It is the definitive claim of this book that it's true regardless of what the majority of culture says. I mean, it's something that's dismissed in our day and time and people have gone ludicrous over the, the concept of absolute truth. Today, it's, it's your truth and it's your truth and it's your truth and it's my truth and that's all that matters. Well, we beg to differ the Bible itself claims to be the source of 
truth. It is not us. And we must submit to that. We must choose, decide whether we're going to believe these statements and these claims. And if so, Christians, it radically transformed the way we live. Non-Christian, it radically transformed the way you approach this Word and this God. So first, it claims to be the standard of truth. Secondly, the Word of God reveals who God is and what He's like. I get this from 1 Samuel 3.21. This is beautiful. It says, The Lord revealed Himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the Word of the Lord. The Lord acted. He did, he did something. He revealed Himself. How did He do it? By the Word of the Lord. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is breathed out by God. That means He is the source of the Word, of the Scripture. And He is the one testifying or revealing Himself as He claims to be the author of it. I encourage you to read the latter part of Isaiah sometime soon. Isaiah 40, Isaiah 43, Isaiah 45, Isaiah 46 has majestic descriptions of who God is. self descriptions from himself speaking I am this way I am this way this is me this is me I am the Lord it's beautiful our greatest need today is is not more money to pay our bills a better job to fix our debt more exercise new friends higher 401k for retirement purposes no our greatest need today is to have a higher and more biblical view of the God of the Scriptures. And to continue to grow and increase in our knowledge of Him. And this doesn't come through any fortune cookie, but through the unadulterated Word of the living God. We see this gloriously from Psalm 103 as the psalmist David, exulting in his Lord, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns your life with satisfaction and compassion. Who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord has performed righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses. His acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness towards those who fear Him. For as far as the east is, from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions. It says a father has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. He Himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we are but dust. As for man, His days are like grass, as the flower of the field, so it flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. But... The loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children 
to those who keep His covenant and remember His precepts to do them. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens. And His sovereignty rules over all. So bless the Lord, you His angels, mighty in strength, who perform His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all you His hosts, you who serve Him doing His will. Bless the Lord in all places of His dominion. All you works of His in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Do you know this God? Do you know Him according to His Word? Thirdly, the Word of God is eternally powerful and effective. I get this from Hebrews 4.12, which says the Word of God is living and active. This word active is energase. You hear what it sounds like? Energy. King James Version has translated it powerful. It means effective. This word's able to bring about something like Isaiah 55.11 when he says, My word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Jesus Himself claimed that his, he possessed, his words possessed eternal authority in Matthew 24.35 when He said, My words will not pass away. In what ways is this word actively enduring? Psalm 119 states this about what the Word does. It restores the soul. It makes the simple wise. It brings rejoicing to the heart. It enlightens the eyes. They're more desirable than gold. By them, His servants are warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. So God's Word is an ever-present, active agent that's always at work around us and within us as God's people. And its power is unending. There is no stopping the work of the Word when God unleashes it. And this matters for us today because we can easily consider this as just another ancient piece of literature that's nice and filled with good sayings and parables and moralistic teaching about a good man who died for messed up people. But it's so much more than that. It's full of divine life and power for us today. So the Word of God claims to be true. It reveals who God is and it's eternally powerful and effective. The question is, do you and I have faith to believe these claims? Because again, we don't want to waste our energy on false information. But if it's true, and at Grace Church we believe that it is, then hiding the Word in our heart as a means of knowing the Lord more intimately is extremely necessary and vital for our growth in Christ's likeness. If we don't believe that God's Word is true and that it reveals Himself and it's powerful, then we, we won't see the value in memorizing. We won't see the point in storing up God's Word and we just simply won't do it. We must first be convinced of its trustworthiness of its reliability, of its immense value and worth. And this is fundamental before we begin to consider the practice of memorizing. So this morning, I do hope to persuade you of the supreme worth of this book as it reveals the God of the Word and how we can know Him more clearly. 
So that answers what is treasured. Secondly, where do we treasure? Your word I have treasured in my heart. Other translations I'd mentioned says I have hidden or I have stored up. The location is the heart. Other times this word heart is used in Psalm 119, verse 2. How blessed are those who observe His testimonies, who seek Him with all their heart. Verse 10, as we already read this morning, with all my heart I have sought you. Verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies. Verse 69, with all my heart I will observe your precepts. Verse 111, I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. And verse 161, my heart stands in awe of your words. There's a location of this treasure, it's in its end. The heart, the inner man, the seat of the will, so to say. There's a transfer that happens from the ink on this pages or your cell phone to the heart and the mind. And praise God that we have the ink on the pages and we have the ability to learn a language and read the words of our Creator in our own dialect. It's, it's truly an amazing and blessed gift that we undervalue so often. But that's all it is if that's the only place it stays. Up on your shelf or in your car or on the table. The psalmist tells us that there's somewhere else the Word can be, and it should be. And it was for him. And that's printed, tattooed on the heart and mind of the believer. And this is something radically different. It's, it's hidden there or treasured on purpose. There's an action taking place in this psalm where a person engages with God's Word and he loves it so much and values it and treasures it to the degree that he hoards it up. But in a good way. In his heart. And the way I understand this happening is by intentionally memorizing God's Word. Setting your mind to treasure something to the degree that you want it with you. Wherever you go. As a means of strength and encouragement. To think about. To dwell on. To muse over. Ultimately, to worship as we know Him. And when you think about hiding something, particularly a treasure something that you value, you, you dig a deep hole, you bury it far away because the purpose is for no one to be able to find it, right? You want to keep it treasured. You want to keep it hidden deep within so that no one, deep below so that no one can find it. You want to protect it. You want to guard it. You can't afford not to. Well, the reality is we simply may not always be able to have a physical copy of God's Word. With us. I mean, many of our brothers and sisters in Christ in third world countries who are being persecuted, they're forbidden to have this book. They can't do it. Or they're arrested and they're tortured. And they would give anything to have one page of the Psalms, of the Epistles, or Revelation, or the Law. And when they do come in contact with it, you better believe they spend as much time as they can memorizing this word because they know at any given moment it can be snatched away from them and that's all they have with them in their hearts and their mind not sure if you know the name Richard Wormbrand he was a Romanian Christian minister in not early 1900s and there's a book written and a film out called tortured for Christ it speaks about his life 
And as he was first taken prison to prison, the film says that he had memorized 365 verses on God's comfort in the midst of fear. 365, do the math, that's one verse for each day of a year. Now imagine how that would sustain a man through intense, physical, delayed torture. And outside of that, also being snatched away from his wife and his only son. So for the Christian, God's Word is the very blood that provides life to our spiritual bodies. So we would do well to hide this Word in our hearts. So that answers where is the treasure? Lastly, why treasure? What's the purpose of hiding this Word in our hearts according to verse 11 of Psalm 119? Your Word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. That's the reason. He says, God, I don't want to sin against you. Matches verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to Your Word. That's how we remain pure. 1 John 2.14 sounds similar. Hear this. He says, I've written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Hear those two together? The Word of God abides in you, and you've overcome the evil one. Scripture memory helps us fight against Sin, so that we may honor God by arming ourselves with the proper weapon of war. That we might value His holiness and live in daily victory over our many temptations. The heart is the arsenal that stores the weapon of God's Word that we use to attack the enemy as He aims to devour us with His deception. And according to Ephesians 6.17, there's no other weapon that you and I can use. So why would we avoid it? It is the Word of God as our weapon. And if you're not using it, mark my words, beloved. You are going to fall prey day after day after day to the enemy's attacks. Saints, we must, we must guard ourselves from sin's deception. And we do that by renewing our minds, by preaching to our minds and our hearts the words of the living God, by recalling them in the midst of temptations. And in that moment, as we're recalling them, we gain strength. We experience the effectual power that these words contain. What do I mean by memorizing Scripture? I mean being the Psalm 1-2 Christian that we sung about. Being someone who delights. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on His law, He meditates day and night. The only way you can meditate on it day and night is to have it with you day and night. It needs to be with you as you go. If it's not there, you can't meditate as you ought to. And the sad reality is we know very little of meditation these days. And how can we? We're, when we're bombarded with so much entertainment and things vying for your attention and pulling you this way and this way and this way and this way. and We don't have time. We don't have time. It's the biggest excuse. We don't have time to cherish and to soak our hearts and minds into this book. But if we would just be like the bee, the bumblebee, according to Thomas Brooks, who said, it is not the bee's touching of the flower that gathers honey, 
but her abiding for a time upon the flower that draws out the sweet. It is not he who reads most, but he who meditates the most or memorizes the most. Who will pro- not the most, but who memorizes and meditates the most. He will prove to be the choicest and sweetest, wisest and strongest Christian. Or like steeping a tea bag. This is not Thomas Brooks. This is Hunter Coy. <laughs> Let a tea bag, as you let it sit in the hot water and the, the power from the herbs permeates the cup and the water that's there, so we must steep ourselves in the water of this Word that we might have the aroma of Christ wherever we go. That we might obey Colossians that says the Word of Christ, let it richly dwell within you. This is more than just storing up knowledge in our head. These words, they interact with our heart and our soul. And remember, they're living and active. So when you soak your heart and mind, something supernatural happens as you're deepening your knowledge and love for the Lord by walking with Him in true communion. The words of Deuteronomy 30, verse 14 begin to ring true, which says the Word is very near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart that you might observe it. Well, before moving away from this verse in Psalm 119, again, I just want to point out the entire psalm is written to stir the affections for the Word of God. We don't have time to consider all 176 verses, but I do encourage you, soon, sit down and read through it slowly and think about it. All the different ways that the psalmist is interacting with God's Word and the different things he says about the Word of God. And ask yourself, do you have those same desires? Do I have those same wants? Those same loves? Am I, do I have the same strivings towards His Word? May we be compelled to do likewise. Well, as we transfer out of Psalm 119, I want to connect it to the life of Jesus and consider how He Himself memorized Scripture. I mean, why would we do something? Why would, we, why would this Scripture memory be something we preach on? Why a sermon? Why spend time focusing on this topic? It, it may seem like a waste, right? I mean, what's the point? Well, as Christians who are disciples of Jesus, the Messiah, we sign up to follow and imitate Him. His life and His love and His character. When we look closely at the life of Jesus in the Gospel narratives, we do see how the Word of God consumed His life day by day. If you read this closely, you'll begin to notice Him quoting Scripture regularly. Word for word, by memory, for specific purposes. And He did that. And if He did that as a man, it might be good practice and discipline for us to apply it in our own lives as well. But also Christ. He didn't die for sinners and raise again from the dead so that you and I could play with sin or toy in it and dab around in it when we would like. He died for sin to disarm the devil, to destroy the works of the devil. Cosmically, yes, but also personally in each and every one of us. Destroy the works of the devil that's within us. And so, for the glory of Jesus in our hearts, personally and in this church, we hate sin. We ought to value His Word and consider storing it up if we want to make war against 
indwelling sin and take this seriously. So, let's take a brief look at how the Word who became flesh utilized Scripture memory in His life. This is chiefly seen, if you want to see Psalm 119, verse 11, put into practice, read, read Matthew chapter 4. We're not going to open it up and look at it today, but, but just mention, I'll just summarize it. But go read it. Go spend time thinking on it. If you don't know, that's, that's the narrative of Jesus' temptations or His testing in the wilderness right after He was baptized and declared to be the beloved Son of God. By God Himself, the Spirit sends Him out into a wilderness of temptation where He comes face to face with Satan Himself and Satan challenges Jesus' sonship, His relationship with the Father in three different ways. The first is in hunger. Satan tells him, he challenges him to change these stones into bread. You've got to be hungry out here. Jesus' response from memory, without a scroll in front of him, Deuteronomy 8.3. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we see that Jesus had a life focused on full submission to God's Word as essential, not just optional. Secondly, self-preservation. He takes him to a high cliff. says, cast yourself off. The Lord will, God will send His angels. He'll save you. So he tempts him to commit suicide, knowing surely God will spare your life. Jesus' response, Deuteronomy 6.16, again, from the law, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Here's a life that trusts the Lord, not testing Him and His character. Thirdly, Satan challenges, tests Jesus' heart allegiance when he says, just fall down, worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms. Jesus said, Deuteronomy 6.13 and Deuteronomy 10.20, no way, buddy. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. His heart was committed to God. This is a life that's committed exclusively to worshiping God alone. Do you see how Jesus Himself kept Himself pure on this earth? He treasured the Word of God. He hid it in His heart. And He utilized it by speaking these words in the midst of temptation. And we see that He didn't sin against God. Elsewhere, we, we know throughout His teaching, especially on the Sermon on the Mount, it is filled with, you've heard that it said, you've heard that it said, you've heard that it said, and He's referring to the Old Testament Scriptures. And that's concerning a variety of topics. Murder, adultery, love, divorce, making vows, revenge. He didn't just pick and choose at random. He was thoroughly immersed in the Scriptures. He knew them. He walked with his God in the midst of those Scriptures. And surely we see him following Ezra 7.10, which tells us that Ezra, in the Old Testament, set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it, and to teach His statutes and ordinances in Israel. Well, I've been spending time in Matthew this year personally, and it's just been a joy. Spending the whole year looking at Matthew, and I want to take some time now to just travel briefly, real quickly through Matthew, showing you what all Jesus quotes from the Old Testament. In Matthew 5, He quotes three of the four, three of the five books, I'm sorry, books of the Pentateuch which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Law, the Torah. In, five, in chapter 5, he quotes Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy numerous times. And that's including 
The Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words. In Matthew 9, Hosea. Matthew 10, Micah. Matthew 11, Malachi and Jeremiah. Matthew 12, Jonah. Matthew 15, he quotes Isaiah. Matthew 16, he alludes to Proverbs. Matthew 19, Genesis 1 and 2. Matthew 22, Exodus, Deuteronomy, and Psalm. In Matthew 24, Daniel and Joel. In Matthew 26, Zechariah. And even as he's dying on the cross, in Matthew 27, Psalm 22, 1 comes out of his mouth. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His entire life of roughly 33 years on this earth, by which I'll be next Tuesday, Lord willing. Two days, I'll be 33 by God's grace. But his entire life was saturated with the Scriptures. And no, it wasn't just because he was God. It's not the excuse. Don't forget, he was truly man. He was and is truly man in every way. But his life was steeped in the Scriptures. And he realized that if it's true that man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the living God, he knew that he was going to need to spend time in it. Even as a child, I just imagine his parents reading the Scriptures to him. He saw the value in memorizing them. To have them tattooed on his heart and his mind so that he would live in a way that honors the Father in all that He said and did, walking in total obedience to Him. Well, if you notice, when I just went through Matthew, Jesus did not quote from every single book of the Old Testament. But, if you listen quick, clearly, He did vote, quote from each genre that the Hebrew Scriptures notice. Or they, uh, they, uh, the way they separate them. The law, the writings, and the prophets. So, he had the full orb from Genesis to, for them, it's, it's Chronicles. For us, it's Malachi. He was aware of all the Scriptures. His life was immersed in all of it, not just picking and choosing at random. So, you and I, let's, let's do that. Let's see the value in the Old Testament and go spend some time there, even memorizing it. We see that he had, he had thus saith the Lord on his lips, because first, they were in his heart. And as Christians called to be like Jesus, it means we got to love this. We, we not got to. We get to love this book. <laughs> Something He does within you. We get to love this book and the words in it to impress, to treasure, to hide, value, and store up these words on our hearts and minds. So how do you and I follow Jesus in this discipline? Well, the purpose of Scripture memory Again, it's to bring truth to whatever situation you find yourself in at any given moment, at any time. And that truth is directly rooted and grounded in the knowledge of God and it affects how you and I are to live in light of that revelation. So before you say, Hunter, I just, I, I just cannot do it. I have tried. You have no idea. My mind is fading. I can't do it. Well, I do want to challenge you and press a little bit and just think of how much you actually do know. The ma majority of us would be songs. We, we know songs, word for, many of them word for word. I grew up in the 90s. If I haven't heard a song in 10, 15 years, yet I grew up listening to it and I hear it today, for some reason the words come back to me. I know it. We know songs. We can remember songs easily. For some of us, sports teams, 
or stats or players or numbers. Whatever it is, whether it's poetry or scientific facts or random facts of the day. I have a friend they just knew random things. and Whatever it is, we do store up knowledge. We store up that which we treasure. That which we value. We hide it away. We remember it. We spend time exposing ourselves to it. So I just want to encourage you to don't use that as an excuse. The Lord gave you a mind and He, he gives the grace to be disciplined in doing this. To see the value in it and to obey Him. And it's a love thing. It's, it's the grace of the Lord. Not a heavy hand over you, but God's grace that we have it and the capacity to store it and to recall it. So this is a privileged discipline that God provides for us. David Allen Black is a professor at Southeastern Baptist Seminary in North Carolina where uh, Corey and Matt are at. And he's, Corey shared this with me and I found it just very good. Says th- he said, The case... For the superiority of memorizing of memorization will be self-evident to those who actually do it. <laughs> I love that. The case for the superiority of memorization will be self-evident to those who actually do it. Well, what would it look like for us to consider scripture memory in our life? What would it what would be how can that be helpful? I just want to mention some categories, one verse each. What about praise? Do you have a verse tucked away for praise? Psalm 107 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. What about duty? Deuteronomy 6.4, The Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, with all your mind. Recalling God's promises. Joshua 23.45 Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass. What about when you fear? Many of you treasure this verse. Isaiah 41.10 Do not fear, the Lord says, for I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I'll help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What about when you need help trusting in the Lord? Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says that you keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Temptation, Hebrews 2, 18. For since He, Jesus Himself, was tempted in that which He has suffered, He is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Suffering. 1 Peter 4.16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. What about preaching the gospel to yourself? This word has power to stimulate faith. And that's what you and I need when we're tempted to doubt the good news that Jesus loves you unconditionally and sent Jesus to die for you. So, do you have an arsenal of gospel-packed verses to preach the gospel to yourself. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. Do you know Ephesians 2, 4, 5, but God being rich in mercy because of His great love for which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved when you're tempted to think it's by your works. Recall your preach to your heart, it's by grace that you are saved. Or when you feel helpless, 
Can you dial up Romans 5 that says, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, so much more having now been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. What do you do when you doubt God's love for you? When you're in a dark season? Do you recall 1 John 4? It says, by this the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent His Son, His only begotten Son, into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Romans 8 in its entirety would do you so much good to spend long time there. But if you just consider the first and last verse, first being for there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then the last verse 39, for nothing is able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Grace Church, these words are worth memorizing. For the glory of God in this church, for the joy of your soul, for the delight that you take in Him, memorize God's Word. It's the very reason why you and I need this word on repeat in the stereo of our minds over and over and over and over again because we're so forgetful. We're so prone to sinning. We need to be reminded of the value and the treasure that's in these words. And when we do that, we will treat this book differently. We won't do it half-heartedly or casually. We can't afford to. Because if these words are true, too much at stake. In order for these words to be fruitful in our lives, it must be grounded again in our hearts and our minds. And they begin to overflow in the daily activities, the daily routines, as you do the laundry, as you brush your teeth, as you're working on the car, as you're cutting the grass, as you're cooking dinner, whatever it is. You got the Word of God with you. And think about it. So, six practical steps I want to lay before you of encouragement to, to memorize God's Word. Number one, get alone. And some, a lot of these are, are, some of these are, I've used different resources. One of these is an, an approach to extended memorization of Scripture. It's actually a pamphlet written by a Dr. Andrew Davis from North Carolina. It's a helpful guide when you want to consider long memorization of Scripture, which we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll mention again briefly. But these sources have helped encourage these, these steps that can be taken, number one is to get alone. Because the obvious is it's quite difficult to think over and muse over the things of God with so much noise all around us, all throughout the day. Constantly bombarding you. We must fight to be alone with God through this book without distraction. And moms, I know, particularly it's so hard it's really hard. You rarely get time alone. And when you do, you just want to fall out on the bed and be done and just don't talk to me. <laughs> but I do want to encourage you, even if it's just one verse, 
when you get alone, you get that time to think about the loving kindness of the Lord. Think about His faithfulness and His promises. And it will give rest to your mind. And it will give rest to your heart. And it will help you get through that day when the kids wake up after nap time and they're crazy again. So get alone as best as you can. Secondly, pick chapters, not just random verses. And that's where the encouragement from this book comes. He says, I quote, Memorizing individual verses tends to miss intervening verses that the individual does not feel are as significant. Most of Scripture is written to make a case. There is a flow of argumentation that is missed if individual verses are memorized. Furthermore, there's also a greater likelihood of taking verses out of context by focusing on individual verses. So, that the most of our experiences may just be individual verses, and that's not a bad thing. But I also want to encourage you to pick chapters to memorize. Some of those chapters, Genesis 1. Happens every time. I'm sorry, sound guys. Um, man. Psalm chapter 110. Isaiah 40. It's already been mentioned today. Matthew chapter 6. Romans chapter 8, 1 Corinthians 13, Hebrews chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1. These these chapters will be helpful to consider memorization. It's not about how quickly you learn something, but how faithful and consistent in what you do memorize. In fact, learning less may be more beneficial because you slow down more and you take more time on each verse meditating. Thirdly, seek to understand So resist the urge to simply memorize as the goal. Don't just memorize mindlessly, but your mind, let it be engaged with the text, with its meaning and its purpose. And not only its implications for your life, the effects it should have on your heart and your relationship to the Lord. As as we meditate on what we memorize, we gain a deeper understanding. So seek just to memorize it, not to store it away. Understand the author's intent and purpose. Next, turn your text into prayer. Turn your text into prayer. As you engage with the text, learn to commune with God through it. That's why He's given it to us, so that we can commune with Him. So turn the words into prayer. And you gain clarity of the knowledge and sweet fellowship with your Father. Next, take it with you. I used to write verses on index cards all the time in college. That's the beauty about memorization. Again, you can take it with you wherever you go. If you're you're taking a walk on the beach on vacation or you're driving to work down the road, whatever it is, throughout your home, post it in different places you know where you're going to be, whether it's on a mirror or in the kitchen or different places you walk by in your garage. Wherever you spend time, post verses there and it'll help help you remember um, to do it. And then lastly, repetition. Davis, this guy says again that He encourages you saying, saying a verse 100 times in one day is not as helpful as saying it every day for 100 days. I'll I'll say that again. Saying one verse 100 times in one day is not as helpful as saying it every day for 100 days. He says the absolute key to successful Scripture memorization is repetition over a long time period. I mean, over time we're going to forget verses. That's just obvious. We will. And that's okay. But let's aim for consistency and continue to repeat and to practice again as a means of enjoying Him. Not by crossing off your list or meeting your goal or meeting your expectations or meeting someone else's. But 
to know Him, to enjoy Him. Remember, the goal is learning. The goal is not learning. The goal is loving. Well, I'd like to close with seven reasons to memorize, and I'll just briefly mention them with Scripture reference. won't dive into them deeply, but seven reasons that I want to encourage you to memorize God's Word. Number one, we grow in our knowledge of God. 1 Samuel 3.21 Grow in your knowledge of God. Secondly, you are blessed if you hear and observe the Word. Luke 11.28 Thirdly, the Word cannot fail in its use and effectiveness. Romans 9.6 Fourth, it is the sword of the Spirit to make war against schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6.17 Fifth, it is the living enduring and imperishable agent by which you are born again. 1 Peter 1.23 6. It performs a particular work in you who believe. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 And 7. You grow in your faith as you internally hear the word. Romans 10.17 Hear by faith. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing by the word of Christ. You hear the word. You have faith. He stimulates it. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't been memorizing Scripture, there's grace. You can see the value and the joy and ask the Lord to, to prune your heart to help you to do that. For those who have been doing it and continue to do it, press on. Keep doing it. Invite somebody in. Do it with a partner. Get creative with it. I want to leave you with an exhortation this morning. It's just to simply get in the book and get on your face. And beg your Creator to make these words come alive to you. The reality is we can memorize. Now hear this. We can memorize this entire book. The entire Word of God you can memorize and not treasure the God of the Word. Do you hear that? It's reality. That's totally possible. To memorize the entire Word of God and yet not treasure the Word of God. May we be spared from that. May that not happen. May we fight for our happiness in Him. For the sake of the church, for the, your joy in God and for God's glory in this place, let's, let's follow Jesus in memorizing this Word in our hearts and treasuring it in our hearts so that we might not sin against Him. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank You for an opportunity, another experience where a man stands before your people and opens up your word and gets to worship you together i thank you for your word thank you that it's truth is not based on whether we say it's true or think it's true but because you say it's true and you say you reveal yourself and it's eternally powerful and effective and helps us to fight against sin. Give us the grace to hate it. To make war against our flesh that dwells within. And Lord, help us to help one another. We want You to be honored in this place and our lives. We want Christ to be exalted. We want the aroma to permeate this place, this city, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our homes. That the Word would be near us. Not far off, but within us. It's Christ who dwells within us. Thank you. The Word 
became flesh. Help us, we pray again, to delight in it and not see it see you as a heavy hand over us. But you give grace and new mercies every day. So do it, we pray, and we ask that you would be honored in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.